Welcome back to another episode of LEO Radio. For today, I'm your host, Jim Harris, and with me, I got two instructors out of New Jersey. Who we got? Joey Spralaza. Jason Felsing. How you doing, guys? All right. Joe Spralaza, Jason Felsing. Uh, we are talking about State versus Carlos McLean. This is another Miranda case. We have seen multiple Miranda cases coming out of New Jersey and the rest of the United States for issues that are impacting our cases. Um, this one has to do with the right to counsel, and it was just uh, decided in September of 2023. Very recent case. Um, Joey, why don't you give us the overview? The actual background of the case was a 2015 shooting, and the defendant, Carlos McLean, and two others tried to rob the victim, Jonathan Vargas Matildas, and another man at gunpoint. It was outside of a deli in Irvington, New Jersey, about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, Matilda struggled with the individuals and he tried to run. While he was running, he was shot in the back. The jury initially acquitted McLean on a murder charge and charge of robbing Matildas, but then they convicted him of felony murder and a robbery charge involving the second victim. He was uh, sentenced and found guilty. So on appeal is where he's looking to suppress his statements made to the detectives. So he's looking to uh, suppress the statements made. So since the statements are at the heart of this, why don't we go through those statements? Um, because once again, you had said the issues of this exchange, um, they ensued after the detectives had Mirandized the the individual, so they Mirandize them, and then the uh, the whole interaction occurs. So why don't we go through that interaction? So we'll apologize for for uh, potential poor acting, but I'll be playing the parts of the detectives both, and Joey will be playing the defendant. So we're going to give you a play by play. So I'll begin. You ready, Joey? Ready. Now playing the role of Detective One and Two, Jason Felsing. <laughs> Something fun for the podcast, you know? All right, so Detective One. So now we're going to give you another opportunity to tell us the truth. We already know what had happened. We just need to hear it from you. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You're not here, like my partner said. There's no trick, no nothing. You're going to show, we're going to show you why you know what had happened. Can you, can you call my lawyer? Because he told me to tell you to give him a call. Can you call my lawyer? Who's your lawyer? I gave, you had the number. He left a message on your phone and everything. So can you call my lawyer, please? Because this is just not happening. I need my lawyer right here. Okay, so. This is not cool. So am I to interpret that you want a lawyer at this time? Yes. If that's the case, then we'll stop questioning. I just want to ask you clearly, is that what you want at this time? Yes, I want my, yes, I want. You want your lawyer. You've got to speak up. Yes, yes. I want to have a lawyer here. Okay. Please, please, and thank you. All right. We're going to end this statement. So what we'll do is we'll end this statement at this point, and then we'll move forward, okay? It's 2.06 p.m. All right. We're going to end this statement. All right. All right. All right. What's going to happen now is we're going to process you incident to the charges you're going to, you're facing. All right. We'll process you. There's a couple of things that we have to do administratively, then you'll be taken down to the county jail, okay? All right? So I can't see my lawyer right now? Well, you'll have an opportunity. You'll be arraigned. You'll have your attorney at that point, okay? Just continue. Can we continue, please? 
All right. So you don't want your attorney present? No. Are you sure? Yes. You're positive. You do not want your attorney present? Yes. Okay. Now. And see me. <laughs> now, um, I can totally see why you are both in law enforcement and not in acting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. So at this point, uh, at the end of the statement, the defendant confirmed they had spoken with the detectives on his own free will, and he then stated he wanted to talk to him. So the motion court, they found that the initial statement, can you call my lawyer, uh, was ambiguous request for counsel needed clarification. Although the court determined that the defendant's statements, yes, yes, I want a lawyer here, uh, was clear invocation of that right to counsel, the court found that detectives did not fail to provide uh, him with an attorney at that time. So... In short, the court concluded that the defendant's decision to proceed without an attorney was voluntary. So this is what goes to the appeals division. It goes to the appeals court. And in this case, the, de the defendant raised six issues on appeal, only one which is going to be summarized in this podcast. It's the detective's failure to scrupulously honor that, that defendant's clear and un unequivocal assertion of that right to counsel. And uh, that is what requires reversal. So why don't we go into that? What what are we talking about here? What we need to consider is the Edwards Bright Line Rule. This is one of the uh, points that we drive home during our road cop essentials and our two-day case law class. In Edwards versus Arizona, the U.S. Supreme Court held an accused has invoked his right to have counsel present during custodial, in, during custodial interrogation. The questioning must cease and cannot resume until counsel has been made available to him unless the accused himself initiates further communications, exchanges, or conversations with the police. The court added that the prosecution cannot establish a valid waiver to counsel by showing that the accused responded to further police-initiated custodial interrogation, even if he has been advised of his rights. Additionally, off officials may not reinitiate interrogation without counsel present, whether or not the accused has consulted with his attorney. And that goes directly into this case. They didn't give him a reasonable opportunity to actually think about it. They didn't give him a reasonable opportunity to consult with a lawyer. We have the 14-day rule of where we're not allowed to approach people once they're um, once they actually invoke their Miranda rights, we have to wait 14 days. And the reason that we're waiting those 14 days is so that they can educate themselves. The court has found that the 14 days gives people enough time to talk to a lawyer, talk to friends, talk to family, make sure that they're making an intelligent decision to waive their Miranda rights. In this particular case, what the US or what the New Jersey court has found is that they didn't wait enough time. And then by them continuing to go forward with that line of questioning and by them continuing to kind of tell him what the procedural justice would be, which is something that usually would be an exception to Miranda, but they felt that they coerced him into continuing to talk and they didn't give him that reasonable opportunity to consult with an attorney. So even though the words that the detectives were using, okay, we're going to stop it. We're going to put it, we're going to, we're going to cease this. Um, what you're saying is even though they were using those words, the, the tone, the inflection. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have that court transcript. To, you know, your bad acting was there. <laughs> the transcript <laughs> that we're using. It could have been a detriment. It could have helped. We don't know. <laughs> so uh, just the words, the tone, even though I'm saying I'm going to stop it, what I'm telling you, how I'm telling you, 
could be coercive in nature to elicit you to continue on with your statement and again, not follow the U.S. Supreme Court Edwards Bright Line rule. I agree with that. I think this the biggest thing is, you know, any officer that, that should have that level of education to understand these these rules and these constitutional privileges, reading through, even absent the bad acting, reading through this language that's used. Sure, like it said in the case, the, the first time that the defendant asked for his lawyer seems a little vague, but there's two or three more times that are just clear that a lawyer is wanted and and the, de the detectives in the case continue to just repeat. And, and again, I don't, I don't know if it was a an issue of clarity because we don't have those transcripted tapes, but they only asked for clarification once saying that they need to speak up. Otherwise, it's it's pretty clear on paper. And again, I know we're Monday morning quarterbacking what's on paper here, but it, it's pretty clear. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's one of the things we are doing here in, in these podcasts and all our training. We are not questioning any of our brother or sister officers' conduct. We are just looking at the what we have because this is what the, the world has. This is what everybody is going to be looking at for these cases. And when we look at these cases, we're not telling – uh, our viewers or our, our listeners, we're not saying that these officers were wrong or if they were right. What we're saying is these are the facts presented to the court. And what we do in in our classes and our podcasts and our training is we look at these to say, what lessons can we learn moving forward from this incident so that we don't have our officers integrity being questioned. We don't have any character being questioned. We don't have our practices being questioned. And in short, our goal is to make sure moving forward that we get good case law based on great police work. Our officers every day, they go out, they make great arrests. They have good investigations. Um, they, they utilize good interview and interrogation skills. And then those skills are going to be called into question. So in this case, it's no exception. The officers in this case, the detectives in this case, we're not saying they did anything right or wrong. We are saying that these are the facts being presented to the court and what lessons can we learn as a profession from this case in and of itself. And it's important to remember, too, that the only thing that they're analyzing in this particular appeal is this statement. They still have video evidence. They still have other evidence that's going to be admitted into court. But uh, it's important to give the prosecution as much of a total package as possible. And going off of exactly what you just said, we we do debriefings of critical incidents for a reason, right? We are far from perfect in this profession. And the only way that we improve is by learning from our mistakes and also the mistakes of others. We wouldn't be nearly where we are if we only looked through our own lens. We have to learn from all law enforcement and across the country, especially as you look at those U.S. Supreme Court rulings. So this is definitely not to take a shot at any of those detectives, but very much for us to learn, understand, and make sure that we bring good cases to prosecution, because at the end of the day, it's our job to uphold the rights of these civilians and especially the victims. We want to get these convictions. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk about Monday morning quarterbacking all the time. One of the things that we, we really discuss with Monday morning quarterback, and I know it's off topic here, but it's use of force. Um, you know, that meaningful review of every use of force is important um, for similar situations, even like Miranda or any other case that you're looking at when you're looking at a use of force, meaningful reviews, um, even if the officer did it right, 
we still need to do a, a meaningful review on that to, to look at it. We can use it, even if he did it right, as training for others to say, hey, look at, look at this great work that was done. Or even if he did it right, but there were tools that could have been uh, available to make him safer or make him or her safer during that use of force or even, hey, you did it right, but um, there, you, there, was, um, there was things that we just could have done better. So we're, we're never calling into question the, the actions. We're just taking the lessons from those actions and seeing how we can make our profession better, how we can make um, the, the situations for our officers safer. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, career survival, whether it be, uh, you know, mental, physical or, you know, emotional, we have to make that survival uh, realistic for our people. And it's, lessons it's learned, a, that's the way. Yeah, and it's a shift in the maturity of this profession, right? When you were able to have these candid conversations with officers and supervisors and even prosecutors that where we're looking at this as being like, okay, we didn't do this 100% correct. How can we improve next time? And being able to admit your faults, admit the things that were done incorrectly, it's the only way you're going to get better in the future. So that's been the mentality I've had, especially in my time as a supervisor with the people that I work with. And I like to have people talk about their own incidents and let them bring to roll call situations where they've done something incorrectly and how can we learn from this in the future? And, um, you know, it's a, it's a sign of maturity. So uh, that's the way I look at this. And I think that that's the way that our profession keeps evolving into the future. And again, I think that Jim said it perfectly, that meaningful review that they have for use of force. I understand that this is just a podcast speaking about a single case, but this can serve as a sort of, you know, ipso facto meaningful review on a Miranda case. Why shouldn't we be able to look at this and, and like it's been mentioned several times, get beneficial things out of this, even though this obviously wound up being suppressed, the conviction was reversed. It's still good to look at this meaningfully, break it down and, and have those conversations, like you said, Joey, between supervisors, every every line, you know, regular patrol officers, uh, line officers, supervisors, even prosecutors, like you said, I like that, but it, it, it beckons the conversation. It's important. Yeah. And even, like you said, even if it was done 100% correctly, the meaningful review of, of every time we have something even good that comes out of it, we should be able to look at that and say, hey, you did 100% everything correctly, and we could still take lessons learned from things that we do correctly in the field. Um, we could always improve, and that's the, the case with any profession. How can we grow as a profession um, and as professionals? And sometimes those difficult conversations have to happen, but uh, when all of those difficult conversations also have to be balanced out with the wins, right? Celebrate the wins. Make sure that you're pushing forward the wins. Don't just let them be swept under the rug. And not every win is going to be a citation bar or an award, right? It's, you know, those little wins that we have and cases that are done well. And, you know, sometimes it'll only get to the appellate level. Those are worth reviewing too, saying this was a case that was done very well by these officers, right? The uh, So understanding those fact patterns and understanding all that stuff, like it's a win for law enforcement. It's a win for the profession. Celebrate it. Absolutely. And then uh, speaking of a win, especially dealing with Miranda, um, our next podcast coming out in, uh, in just a few days, we'll uh, celebrate one of those wins where uh, we got one for the good guys and the statements made were allowed in and We'll, we'll discuss that in the future. Um, speaking of Miranda, I know uh, throughout the country we have a lot of Miranda issues. We have cases getting thrown out of court. Um, again, New Jersey 
uh, if you're a New Jersey officer, we do have a conference in Atlantic City every April. And coming up in 2024, we're going to be having a specific block on Miranda um, at that April conference because there are so many cases that have come out that are impacting law enforcement, not only on the investigative side, but on the patrol side. Uh, if you're on the road, whether you're a supervisor or you're a patrol officer, canine traffic, or if you're uh, special investigations and you're doing stuff on the road. Um, and again, as a supervisor, and especially if you're internal affairs, because internal affairs officers, you have to stay up to date on what our officers are doing. Our people are going out, they're doing amazing things based on the current case law, but um, outdated internal affairs investigators who don't know those updated cases, they may look at it through a different lens that they shouldn't be. So make sure you're updated. And again, we're going to cover a whole topic of Miranda in the next uh, conference coming up. And uh, anything else to add, guys? Right. No, sir. Looks like we're... Stay safe. Yeah. All right. Looks like uh, that's going to bring us to a close on this topic. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us. If you have any content that you would like us to go over, um, reach out to us. We do have a podcast application on our website if you're looking to be a guest and discuss anything that's important to you. And that's it for this one. Stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the J. Harris Academy of Police Training. J. Harris Academy of Police Training is based in New Jersey and provides law enforcement training services nationwide for promotional examinations, use of force, supervisory development, and other key areas within law enforcement. This podcast is utilized to discuss key topics occurring within the profession. The opinions and information provided is for entertainment purposes only. In an effort to provide this, we often purposely discuss opposite views and opinions to spark conversation and develop discussion points. The contents of the show and show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if the J. Harris Academy of Police Training is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is redistributed. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog. Under no circumstances shall the J. Harris Academy of Police Training, any guests, contributors to the podcast or blog, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of the company be responsible for damages arising from the use of the information provided.